You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, David Hall. Hello. Welcome, Greg Hectus. What's up, everybody? Hey. And Justin Pearson. What's up, my friends? Well, we're getting ready to near the end of the season championships in the iRacing esports, and we'll talk all about it. We'll introduce you to probably the best single monitor for sim racing, and of course, talk about our results. Come on in and take a load off and enjoy the lounge. Also, don't forget that you can follow us along with us on your PC or mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and you see for yourself all the great topics and products that we discuss by visiting the iRacersLounge.com. There's no V in there. And selecting the show notes. We hope to see you there. mentioning eNASCAR just in the intro and that's probably that's that is our first topic we've got the eNASCAR Twitter resurfacing I guess that means they haven't been around for a while but they're posting uh, whether you're a sim racer or, or or a seasoned sim racer just starting out you're gonna have a chance to learn from the pros as you can join Keegan Leahy and Garrett Maines in an AMA on the NASCAR discard discord at four uh, eastern time and that, was that today it was this week. I mean, they started about a week or so ago um, on the Twitter again, and it had been a long time, like I want to say a year, I'm trying to look back and see, they, but they've been very active in the last week or so. Um, talking Coke racing, but also talking other eNASCAR stuff, like uh, some of the other games and stuff they have. So they were doing some kind of other gaming. I don't know what exactly it was, maybe Rocket League or something like that. Uh, and they had some of the Coke drivers involved in those events. And um, anyway, they're all in here at the end of the season. Uh, you wonder if that's NASCAR running that um, that handle or, or exactly who it is. And, and why do they only do it, you know, a, a couple months of the year? Anyway, we'll find out as we go into the championship, which is two weeks from now. All right, next up, we have the iRacing Paint back in victory lane. Tell us about it, Justin. Yeah, uh, Tyler Hudson tweeted, uh, what a dream. Picked up a win in the season finale last night uh, at JMS Speedway and clinched the championship and never finished worse than second living a dream. Can't thank iRacing enough for everything. And I, I love hearing stories like this cause it, it's a dirt late model for you, um, for you listeners. And it's got the iRacing emblem right on the front, right on the hood. Uh, good, good for iRacing. Good for Tyler. Yeah. I mean, Tyler obviously works at iRacing lives in Mississippi, even though iRacing is up in the Boston area, Boston area. And so this is like a local series down in Mississippi. Um, but yeah, I mean, iRacing is the main sponsor or primary sponsor on the car. And 
you know what's impressive is the no worse than second all season. <laughs> How do you beat that, you know? Uh, no worse than first. Now, we've raced with Tyler Hudson in the winter series, and uh, it's, it's fun. I mean, he, he's... He's that guy I'll take it four wide when you're three wide <laughs> because he's the only one who can pull it off. But, uh, yeah, well, it's fun racing with Tyler. Congratulations in, to him. In that series, though, it's not just because he's the only one. That series is full of drivers who can pull that off. We've got a lot of drivers who can, can stay in a lane instead of a line when it gets three or four wide because you can't run your old school line like you would when you're two wide when you're three wide you have to pick you have to pick a lane and stay there and just kind of hope to get through it i think it was a couple seasons ago that happened and we had a we had a really good group in there we had the sadler brothers and we had um the the sadler esports guys you know the uh, from their team and all the regular for, that have been around the winter league forever, a bunch of people from iRacing, you know, Kristen Schaliner, of course, who uh, usually wins, wins. <laughs> well, congrats again to Tyler. Uh, something that is obviously not rare for him is winning at the track, but the next thing we're going to talk about is something that is rare. We got the 10 rarest tracks countdown from DJ EJ. And I'll just shoot down the list. We've got Kansas Road Course, Atlanta Road Course, Orrin Park North A, Legacy Kentucky Legends Oval, Monza Oval Left, uh, Gateway Road, Twin Ring West, Scuba Thousand Outer, that's interesting, and Iowa Road. I didn't know there was an Iowa Road. Well, that's what I was going to say. There's kind of a theme to some of these. Um, It's either rovals you know and, and a road course that's built within an oval uh or it's a uh, you know forgotten about legends kind of thing yeah and um nobody re- very rarely the only time the monza oval gets l- used is very occasionally goof in the winter series, right yeah maybe a fixed in the winter you know something like that they'll they'll do something like that um the other thing that he pointed out was he went through his list is he actually, he calls it the rarest uh, tracks used in official. And he actually will point out when in official it was used, what year, what season, what car, and what series. And so I didn't take note of all those. I just wrote down the actual tracks so we could talk about them a little bit. But, um, but yeah. So you'll see these more often in in hosted slash league type events, for sure. Yeah, if people know about them, and that's why we want to talk about them and highlight them a little bit, you know. Uh, How about a gateway road? Who thought of a road course at Gateway? I was actually going to go drive a Formula 4 car there uh, a couple summers ago, and I was the only one who signed up, so they canceled it. (laughs) And it was going to be on the road course? Yeah. Well, darn it. I was like, I can practice this track. You know, I was I was literally going to get on iRacing and know the track before we go there. Because it's, it's kind of the, the Rusty Wallace experience thing. The third one you called out, Atlanta Road Course, that's not 
Road Atlanta he's talking about. He's talking about the Atlanta Oval Roval. I can remember that coming up a long time ago uh, in some MX-5 series, I think, uh, or maybe one of, one of the slightly higher up series, Class C or Class D. I remember seeing that a few times, like seven or eight years ago. Mm-hmm. The other one I had no idea about was Twin Ring West. So Twin Ring Motegi, which is an oval, apparently has a little west side road course. Now, all these are really tiny road courses, as he pointed out, um, usually populated by very low uh, power road road, road course cars. Uh, open wheel or fendered, but you wouldn't race any fast cars on these short short tracks. All right. Well, it's no surprise we have back to back titles for Evan Say in the twenty twenty three World of Outlaws, Bud Kicker Late Model Series, and we got a nice uh, tweet or X out from uh, iRacing showing his car. Every time I when it's on on youtube and here in my garage i'll turn it on and every time i turn it on this guy's just dominating the race well he deserves it then yeah we don't have a lot of information because brian is traveling this week for work and um we didn't get his thoughts on it but congratulations Evan. All right. We saw some exciting news that has some of us kind of giddy almost. There's been a long uh, hope that we could start seeing the SRX cars in iRacing, and it's now happening. They're partnering up with SRX to bring the cars into the iRacing fold. Yep. By 2024, it says uh, they have an agreement. Uh, iRacing and SRX have uh, planned to do a scan of the car and and get it into uh, iRacing. Here's a couple quotes from the release. iRacing President Tony Gardner, quote, we're excited to welcome SRX into iRacing in a future release. The SRX car has been a big request from our customers and many of their past and present tracks are already on the service, which will allow for a quick and seamless integration. We're looking forward to a release sometime next year, and we can't wait for our iRacers to get their hands on it. I think this will be a pretty popular series. I'm just curious to see how the car's going to feel. There's, it's a unique design. I was just thinking that. Like, is it a kind of like a late model? Is it kind of like a super late model? Is it kind of like a, uh, you know, what is it? Where does it fit in the in the realm of oval cars? Like, if a late model and the next gen Cup car had a baby. <laughs> Now, the actual series, they can't change tires, can they? Except between heats, I guess. Or, well, they don't have time. Right. They, they don't have, like, uh, live pit stops, if that's what you're asking. Yeah. I don't know. Like a pit crew for every car. Yeah. I don't get to see it too often because sometimes it's on. Like, I live in Indiana, and it's not on until, like, 10, 11 o'clock at night sometimes, some of these races. Yeah, so pretty cool. SRX, uh, I've seen some of the replays. I don't think I've watched any live. But um kind of reminds me of back in the day, you know, we had the um, All-Star Series. I forget the name of it. Um, it would kind of piggyback off of NASCAR tracks, and they would bring over the IndyCar drivers and sometimes some 
off-road guy or something and a bunch of nascar guys and it was kind of neat to see who was best are you talking about the iroc series right iroc that's right true value iroc all right this next one's interesting i would assume that he actually uses a uh a real life spotter but matt Musa posted some throw a throwback spotter pack videos from his last three coke race races and I guess it's featuring NASCAR 23 or 2003 spotters, right? Right. That's the neat thing about this is I don't think it's an actual spotter pack. I think he just dub, you know, dubbed in some audio here um, on top of, you know, some race footage and kind of made it sound cool. But uh, yeah, it sounds like the spotters from NASCAR racing 2003. And if you have uh, raced that at some point in your life and you listen to this video, it is kind of a blast from the past. You're like, wow, I remember hearing that. <laughs> we need the one from Nesk from Days of Thunder where the crew is out getting ice cream when the bug happens and you're and they just will not pit your car. Now I did reply to Matt and said, Hey, you should actually make a spotter pack out of this. Uh, he didn't reply though. Sounds like a lot of work. All right. Next up we have a thread about multiple iRacing users uh on the same computer uh when you're doing a team driver change and i have not gotten a chance to read through it have you have you justin uh no not yet david i have trouble opening up the link basically it's jack baker saying he remembers back when endurance racing was being released that iRacing said they were probably going to implement this single rig multiple iRacing user driver change functionality into the sim and i kind of remember that too now that he mentions that but it never actually happened uh, you know what he's hoping for is a, a way to quick change like a functionality like when you go to set up uh, for a team event you you have a check mark or something that says hey we're using the same computer same rig and it takes credentials your username password for each team member at that time and you're pre-logged in so to speak uh, on the same computer with two accounts and that way when you go to do a driver change there's a different button or something that says oh we're switching drivers but we're on the same pc <laughs> or something like that because it's a huge disadvantage otherwise because think about it you'd have to hit the car get out of the car close iRacing and then relaunch and then sign out and then sign in and then relaunch iRacing and you'd lose all this time but one of the first replies really hits home that this would really open up the door for somebody to just solo iRace if they had two accounts good point yeah how would you police that right and then a, a following person argues that they should be allowed to solo race it and the, no it's it cool if you can do it in a 24-hour race but there are a lot of two and three and six hour event races that are supposed to be team and uh then somebody could exploit that and just run it solo with two accounts but what i'm saying is if they develop the functionality correctly david it wouldn't be any advantage or disadvantage from you know actually switching people the timing of it Right, but the point is, it, it would allow somebody to uh, it it would ex it would allow basically the somebody to break the solo rule. 
Right, that's true. Now, he did put up a poll and people voted. Uh, 50% say, yes, I want a sim slumber party on my buddy's rig. 37% voted, no, I'm not going to have a slumber party with a bunch of adults. I think that's the one I voted for was no. Like, I'm not going to have everybody over and switch switch off on my rig. I don't think so. I'd rather have everyone at their own place. We get together in Discord virtually and race. And that works out real well. Yeah, and if you really are racing as a family, you should have multiple rigs anyway so that you can race each other. Right. Like uh, Donnie Spiker and his son. They both have their own rig. You know, they don't want to share. <laughs> and sometimes they're in the same race. They're in the same NIS race, you know. All right. Well, we hinted at the Coke race a couple of times already, but there's only four drivers remaining in the battle for that 100K top prize. And who will be the 2023 Enars Car Coca-Cola iRacing Series champion? We'll have to wait for the live final at the NASCAR Hall of Fame next week to see. Garrett Lowe. Tucker Minter, Nick Ottinger, and uh, Stephen Wilson are the four. I saw um, the guy from iRacing begging Bob Pockrass to show up at the event to cover it. <laughs> Who do you think is going to win, Mike? I think I think you got to go with Tucker Minter just because he has momentum. Um, these guys are so equal and. They're all the best, and so it's really hard to pick. But you, on the other hand, you got Stephen Wilson with actual experience of racing at the NASCAR Hub, a NASCAR Hall of Fame last year, and so that might be an advantage because it's. I I think it's such a jarring experience to pull these guys out of their bedroom where they raced their entire career, stick them up on the stage, literally on a, a riser on a stage in front of a, an audience and then you got celebrities and tv cameras and lighting and all this stuff pointing at you and and people making noise and all this stuff so it's got to be a bit different you know take you out of your element i know i always wondered that you know you did 99 you do 99.9 percent .9 of your races on your home rig and they take these pro drive or they are pro drivers and take them to the main stage and put them on a totally separate rig like that's got to mess with you well they're offered they they have the option to bring their own stuff and last year i think all of them but one did actually oh really? and, and the one who didn't uh they kind of recreated his rig with the same make and model wheel and shifter and pedals and stuff even though it wasn't his personal ones they gave him the same equipment i think yeah i couldn't imagine not having everything the way it still is because that's that's that can basically change the entire feel of the car if you're using different different rigs well casey Kerwin, when he set up his rig last year he even brought like the a little table he has on the side of his rig where he puts this various stuff that's really not part of his racing but because it's always there and he always has it uh, he brought it anyway because it's part of the part of the scene if you're racing for a hundred grand you want it just right 
I'm telling you. Um, the other thing about the finale is you got the people racing for the top 20 to make it into next year's event. And we saw how the end of the last race went. Desperation has sunk in, you know, for some of these guys. And they're just wrecking like crazy at the back. And, you know, are we going to have that again as we're trying to, you know, determine a championship? I don't know. We'll see. Uh, we are set up for a audio room in Discord for the race uh, this coming Tuesday. Please join us. Um, if you have trouble with finding us on Discord, you know, do a search, iRacers Lounge, and find us. But uh, there is an audio room that Kyle set up that we're going to be in there to watch the race live and just have a chat as we watch it. Should be fun. I'll be there. All right. Last week we were talking about uh, Legacy Series, Mike, and we got an email on it. Yeah, listener Jason Bossy uh, wrote up and said, if iRacing did earlier eras, I kind of wish they'd unlocked the pits and not enforce modern pit road speed limits. Maybe it wouldn't add any new dynamic to the races, but I'd like to see it to determine this. Maybe a week 13 experiment, but would like likely require complex complex coding for something like that that may seem simple. That'd be a neat idea. There was no pit road speed uh, limits back in the day. It was just, you know, come on in. Um, what else back in the day that we want to bring back that we don't have um, is the other question I have. You know, we had the uh, lap cars to the inside on restarts. Uh, and we actually did that in the 87 series. Uh, they're doing that already. So, yeah, I can't think of anything else. One of the only other crazy things you could do is uh, the old uh, mad dash to the cars for like the Le Mans race. Oh, you run out. <laughs> we actually have to run and get in the car. I wouldn't mind seeing an actual uh, boxing match inserted into the game where you can confront people at the end of the game. And just just throw a few punches, just just because instead of wrecking them on purpose, I wonder if it would actually be gratifying to just throw a picture of their face and just. <laughs> well, they have a lot of developers, a lot of people that work at iRacing. At some point, they're going to have some time to just do some fluff, as I call it, like you just described. I'll call it fluff, but maybe they need to add a little fluff. You know, like Donnie always said you know why don't we have a victory lane you know why doesn't they roll the car into victory lane or something like that you know and it seems so obvious to him as he comes into i racing that was the one thing that donnie said why don't we have this it doesn't make sense and i agree you gotta have time for donuts but like after your donuts or something like if you after you exit the car yeah i, I would i, I want to see a little splash screen or something show us something i'd like a trophy room. A, a trophy room right like some flashy trophy and it shows the new one being put up on the shelf or something you see all your other ones because you know it's it, i get out of the car after the donuts and i'm screaming and i'm hollering and i'm shaking my fist and my dog is just looking at me like you're freaking nuts you know all right, Justin, the next one is not directly iRacing related, but we're pretty NASCAR-centric too, so tell us about it. 
Yeah, and David Hutch Games um, puts out a X rev up your engines because we're teaming up with NASCAR to unleash a new standalone mobile game, and we can't wait to bring your bring the spectacle, tactics, and drama of NASCAR to a global mobile audience. Is this something you guys will be into? I don't do mobile gaming on my phone, really. Um, I don't know. I mean, if it's not expensive, I might try it just for fun. But, you know, we've been talking a lot about NASCAR console games and what the future of that might be. This isn't quite console, but it's close. And with all the discussion recently about everything that's been going on, I thought we should just uh, mention it. Is, is Hutch the company that's doing the console game because they're doing the mobile game? I don't know. I've never even heard of Hutch. So I doubt it. Um, but it's neat to see NASCAR's all in with different... We, you know, we know they're doing a mobile game now. We know they're going to do a console game. We just don't know with who. We know they're in a you know, PC with iRacing. So, um, yeah, pretty cool. So with all the changes in IMSA and the old Euro series going away, they've added an IMSA fixed series that kind of runs opposite hour of the IMSA open. And it's only 35 minutes instead of 45 minutes. And people started discovering they could pretty much do a little fuel saving and not have to stop. So this is just a quick update from Greg West that they've changed the fuel levels from 60% down to 50% to try to make no stopping a less optimal strategy. Yeah, I heard this on the iRacing downshift podcast they put out earlier today uh greg west and team and this is one of the things they mentioned so i went and found it but uh a good podcast they put out um describing the season build basically all the different content that came out they talked about the esports and stuff kind of like we're doing today yeah they always like to have that one pit stop be be a part of the IMSA strategy just because uh, it creates a, a little bit of a strategy option. You can try to short pit uh, to get around traffic, or you can run it out, which tends to be the most, if you're not fighting traffic too bad, tends to be the most optimal option because your car is the lightest when it's real light on fuel. But you can get lucky and skip a lot of traffic sometimes, depending on which class you're running. I don't know if I'm ready to jump into IMSA. I, I feel like with road, I'm still trying to stay at a lower level until I feel like I'm up to speed better. And so I'm purposely staying away from the big cars, the big series, even though I've run those in the past and stuff, I'm trying to not, I'm trying to gradually get to that point um, in a, in an effective manner. So this next one, David, is what I've been running. Well, go ahead and tell about it. It's the uh, FIA regional and they've added a couple more time slots as, as, as a matter of fact. That's right. So added some time slots. Um, I think it was three and now it's four or five. Um, just so you could start earlier in the evening if you want, um, or later in the evening. Um, I, I, I ran this last week, you know, I'll be running it again tonight for sure. At least once. Um, but it, it's fun and, um, it's kind of neat to uh, compete. Uh, they talked about this on the Downshift podcast a little bit. The, kind of the the idea behind it is to have um, 
local times, but also local servers. So when they put up the server, it's actually in the region uh, of the event. So in the Americas, we're using the Boston servers. But if you're in Europe, you're using a server in Germany. Okay, so uh, the whole idea is a low latency race uh, kind of thing. Um, even though other people can join uh, these regional events from other areas, um, that's the idea behind it. Yeah, it's interesting in the summers, if you get up and run an IMSA race in the morning, uh, it'll be on a German server. And it, you can tell that you're the car that's lagging around a little bit more than, than the European guys. Right. Do you think we'll ever have an internet where that doesn't happen? Um, it's, that's, I don't know, you know, you're f simply fighting physics at this point. There's the speed of light. Um, and on the cables, it's still you know takes a while now but jumping up to space actually shortens that distance with starlink where you can get get really low latencies um but that's their net is not full fully complete right and that's also a pretty expensive service so you're always going to have just the whole infrastructure you're just having to go through so many wires and you know speed of light can't go any faster than it you know, the way the Internet, if, if you think of how old the Internet is today, and then you think, okay, what is it going to be like 20 years from now? I think we'll get to that point eventually where there is no latency between America and Europe. You know, they'll figure it out. All right, we're already ready to jump into some events. And the first one coming up, I just noticed uh, the Mad Sim guys have started talking about planning for it, is the iRacing Petit Le Mans. Powered by VCO. Ah, yeah. Powered by VCO is going to be coming up. It's a 10-hour event, endurance race, and it's going to be the October 6th through the 8th. And it's the good old 22, 07, 12, and 16 GMT time slots. Running at Road Atlanta, D4.0 Road. Um, it starts at 10.55 a.m. in the morning, so it's pretty much run during the daytime, I think, even though I, don't, I think daylight savings time is still on at this point as well. So it'll, it'll pretty much be daytime. 30-minute warm-up, uh, just about all the same settings. 50 instant points before the penalties kick in. Field size of 45. I didn't talk about the cars. It's the IMSA cars. Yep. And you're, you know, with the new build, they can do up to 12 cars now. Yep. So there's four GTPs, six GTDs, as, and then the LMP2 Delara. There's 11 cars in this list, so they could do 12, apparently. Okay, and I'll take the next event. The World of Outlaw Sprint Car Qualifier is actually starting this week uh, or next week. And so if you're interested in getting involved in sprint car dirt, uh, September 25th is the first event. That's next week uh, at the dirt track in Charlotte. Um, it goes six weeks only um, through the month of uh, October. October 30th is the last race. These are official events. You just have to get in and go for points. Um, they take the top uh, however many in points and, and then put them in the championship.
podcast housekeeping, leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for more listeners to find us. Mention the podcast to your fellow drivers so they don't miss out. We do appreciate it. Check out our Discord. Like I said, we'll be live Tuesday night, hoping to hear from you guys. And our website, iRacersLounge.com. And we're in regular rotation at the Performance Motorsports Network. And don't forget, iRacersLounge.shop to get your merch. Now, guys, I got some of the merch in this week. I got the big jersey that has my name on the back. American flag on one shoulder, got Sim Wrap sponsorship on the other, and a huge, massive, oversized iRacers Lounge logo on the front. I love it. I mean, I was just like, it's like silk. It, it's like a racing jersey kind of thing. Um, maybe something you'd see a soccer player wear or something like that. I don't know how to describe it, but it's really good quality. Um, and I also got a nice t-shirt with the logo on it as well. The t-shirt also, uh, I don't know what it's made out of, but it's really nice. It's not like thin, um, garbage. It's a really high quality shirt. Um, waiting on the hat and a polo still. Um, I also got the giant mouse pad and that was really cool too. So get your merch guys. There's a lot of good stuff. It, um, I'm very impressed with the quality. All right, I think we can talk some fantasy if one of y'all can pull up the stats because we don't have it on the script. Yeah, David, okay, I got it. Yeah. No, um, you go ahead, Justin. All right. Yeah. Um, so the overall results right now that I got pulled up is Canadian 1, um, P1, uh, second place Team Duan, three South Carolina Racing, four NASCAR Jedi, two and five Res Dog. Now I gotta find the um, Bristol results. Yeah, I have those. We got number one AJL fourteen, two NASCAR Jedi, two, three Louder Racing, last year's champion. Four is Shane seventy two seventy two. Five is North South Racing. As far as Team Tafosi, we had Steve Allen in seventh. We had Dwayne Bloatrani in ninth. Uh, Mackenzie Stevens, 14th. And there's Tyler Williamson, 16th. So, what'd you guys think of Bristol? I ended up missing the race. I think I caught, I, yeah, I didn't catch the her, race. I had, I had other stuff going on. We had just finished the show, right? And then I, had, I went to go fly a mission. Didn't he just yeah, I don't win. think. Uh, yeah, I think it's pretty interesting, and it's been talked about in some of the other shows how Denny is the new villain, which is kind of. I I think it's mostly because of who he's hired. Yeah, I mean, he does perfect with marketing, and I don't think he's actually like it's a. He's like being an actor. It's not really him, but he's using it to his advantage to bring in listeners for his podcast. You know, haters are as good as fans. I think he's doing a brilliant job at it. Yeah, he's definitely eating it up. I'm just, I'm actually just kind of perplexed on why he's seen as a villain to begin with. And well, the answer is because he's he he goes up against the popular driver. Well, he had that. He had a long run in. You know, earlier in the year with Ross Chastain, you know, they were going back and forth a bit. and I, That has some of it, but I really think the podcast is really what has taken Denny to the next level with the fans. Because 
it gives him that place where he can, you know, vocalize about his race and what he thought about how others raced and so forth. Um, and some people, you know, take like his take or they don't like his take, you know? And so I think you get the haters coming that way. And like you said, you know, it doesn't matter if they're booing as long as they're making noise. Right. I think he's bringing in new fans in general too. So and more fans are better for NASCAR. I'm always rooting them on. Yeah, and it's I think it's a double bonus that he's an owner, you know, as well. And and he can talk about the ownership stuff of it. Like for example, the fans wouldn't know squat about the NASCAR negotiations with the T V contract if it wasn't for Denny. Seriously, like who else is talking about it? Nobody is. All right, so what about Texas? We're going into Texas. What do you like? Well, it's mile and a half. Chastain ever going to come alive again? I think you got to put money on Tyler again. Are you really going to put money out like you did last week where you lost? Or <laughs> Yeah, I lost bad. <laughs> well, Bowman won me some group bets. I won my money back, I guess I should say. I was projected to win a lot more. But I, I play six and bets down on only one, two. So, all right, Texas, David. Um, I'm gonna make an emotional pick and go for one of the RFK guys. They, yeah, they got some momentum too. Be nice to see Brad break through instead of the other guy. Finally, Chris, uh, Christopher. It's fascinating how last, literally last year and the year before, they were at the bottom of the heap of the Fords, and now Penske's nowhere to be seen, and 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 they're the ones basically taking all the all the Ford success. I think who I'm going to watch this week carefully is Daniel Suarez. I feel like he's on the hot seat now with the Zane Smith announcement, where Trackhouse basically has one too many drivers for 2025. Um, and so I think they're competing for a seat, to be honest. I think between Ross Chastain, Daniel Suarez, and Zane Smith, because we know SVG isn't going anywhere. I, I, he's going to be there long term. You kind of almost feel like Ross Chastain's not going anywhere either. But uh, not so sure about Daniel Suarez. Is the Daniel Suarez experiment over? I mean, he's had a long time to to make something happen. He loses his cool too easy now for whatever reason. I don't know why, but he just does some bonehead things and that's really it. And, oh, um, we'll see in a couple well, of years. I, I'll mention one other th person I'm going to watch, uh, Martin Truex Jr. You know, we heard, um, uh, long, um, ex-girlfriend, Sherry Pollock's, uh, has finally succumbed to cancer. Uh, she's been a cancer survivor over the years, and uh, she finally passed away recently, this, I think this week. And, you know, how does that affect Martin? Even though they weren't together anymore, they were together a very long time. She was a big part of the NASCAR scene uh, for so many years. Um, so uh, God bless, uh, you know, her family and everybody, you know, rest in peace. But for some people, work is an escape from grief. So, you know, it could be a chance for that. It could mean that he just gets really focused, right? Instead of it bringing him down and, and hampering, hampering his performance. Well, he needs a good week. Uh, he needs a good race this week uh, to 
to keep in this thing. So. Metro Ford of Chicago delivers to you. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, we have over 160 vehicles in stock. Living large or strapped for cash, good credit, no credit, doesn't matter. It's all good at Metro Ford of Chicago. We offer easy financing and guaranteed credit approval. Visit eMetroFord.com to view our complete inventory and tell them Patrick sent you. Metro Ford of Chicago, serving Chicagoland and beyond for over 35 years. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. All right, let's move on to hardware software sponsored by Metro Ford of Chicago. We're opening up with a video from Lawrence DeSuasa's uh, channel, and it's a review of the Butt Gamer Plus or Butt Kicker Gamer Plus, which I believe is what I have. Um, and he considers it a great value compared to the other systems. He does. Uh, this is a, what I have also. This is the one I bolted to the bottom of my seat right under my butt. Um, and that's what Lawrence was saying, too, is, look, you got to get these things as close to you physically as you can. You know, um, the closer, the better. Uh, you, you put them out on the corners and they're going through the rig. They're going to have a, a less impact. And so he even uh, mentioned, you know, if you can mount it directly to your seat, that's ideal. Now, he decided not to do that because he has a, a pretty nice seat. I don't think he wanted to mess up. But, um, yeah, he was trying them on the corners and comparing them to, like, what if you built your own? You know, is it cheaper? Well, yeah, it's cheaper, but this is convenient. It's easy. Um, they give you everything you need. Um, the cable, the amp, the actual device. It's kind of plug and play. He talks about the software, which I run as well, uh, the butt kicker software. It's not necessary, but this device can uh, be powered by USB via the software. So you don't have to power it with actual audio, like from an audio cable, which is also an option as well. Um, but I wanted to try the USB with the new software. It's got some sliders and stuff where you can dial it in. Now, I think Lawrence's takeaway on this was use the game, butt kicker gamer software if you're only doing one. But if you have multiple ones, like you're trying to do one on each corner, you got to use SimHub because the software that butt kicker uh, provides doesn't support multiple units. Yeah, I'm just on the single unit and still just run straight out of uh, straight out of uh, iRacing. Now, I plan on getting one of these in the near future. Now, is this an upgrade that would help performance? Yes, you can feel tire slip really big time. You can tell. Yeah. You, you, you notice how much I was less I was wearing the tires out today than you, right? Yeah. Part of that is because I know when, I'm, when the car is, is slipping and can, and that, that, that to, even though I could step on the gas more and turn the wheel more, and I know that I would be shredding the tire. I want to point out, though, David is obscenely turning up the tire slip and turning down everything else, which is going to give him less immersion. But he's doing it for one reason. He's doing it for tire slip to help him save tires. So keep that in mind, Justin, because I didn't add mine for tire slip. I added mine for immersion. 
I want to feel the the rumble of the engine. I want to feel the rumble strips as I roll over them. I want to feel the clink of this gear shift and all that. So I have all this stuff turned on and I have tire slip turned on. But I don't have them turned off. It all off. depends on how you set it up. I don't have them turned off. I just have them lower. I still feel the engine. I definitely still feel curves because curves is kind of feedback on where you're going on the track. Uh, so those are turned up pretty high. I just have the balances shifted. And I do the same thing with the audio as well. I have the engine turned down and the tire slip turned all the way up. And I've done that for well over 10 years. Yeah. And, um, you know, Justin, the, the, the thing, when you buy one of these, you got to have a place to put the amp. And a lot of people don't think about that. Like when I bought my first butt kicker, I didn't think about it really. I just bought it and I'm like, wow, where am I going to put this thing? You know, and I had to like design a shelf just for the butt kicker amps as part of my rig. So it's, it, I have a, a shelf, a wood shelf that's kind of in front and below my pedal. And that's where they sit. And like I said, if you can uh, mount it straight to the seat, that's the best spot. And I was a little hesitant to drill holes in my expensive seat, but it worked out. I mean, you just got to pick the right drill bit and you got to get the right screws and nuts. What's what now you got to remember, butt kicker has different units available. They have the gamer two, which is the original. This is the gamer plus. Now what makes this one unique is it has three mounting holes. So you don't have to use the clamp. It does have a clamp system where you can clamp it to something. So I'm obviously not using the clamp. I'm using the three mounting holes. But this is the only butt kicker that has the three mounting holes. There's a also a more expensive uh, butt kicker, uh, Gamer, I forget the name of it. And it doesn't have the mounting holes, but it's much bigger. That's the one I have. So it's mounted to my rear uh, crossbar on my rig right behind clamped, right mm -hmm. and i have it right. clamped i have it clamped to a giant uh socket wrench cylinder essentially that i then i just grabbed at the hardware store and screwed onto the rig well, what's the name of yours david uh, it's the big one i don't remember the title yeah i don't either it is much bigger it's like twice as big but I've, i i bought the plus just because i could mount it I figured I would just run a piece of 8020 um, excursion under my seat and just mount it there. Would that be good? Or do it doesn't need to be directly to the seat? Well, you want to have it. I mean, that's the thing. You don't want to run as an extra pipe if it's not going to actually be touching the seat because then you're just adding more uh, excursion to dampen it. So you want as little excursion as you can to the seat. So either directly to the seat or on or as solidly connected as you can so that the vibration can get through the whole excursion. If you ran a saw a short piece of 8020 out, that would end up just being a shock absorber. See, I have two. I have the one I mounted to the bottom of the seat, but I also have the original gamer two, and it's mounted to a pipe that sticks out the back of my rig down way below the seat. And and when I had just had that one there alone, it, it provides a good rumble, but it rumbles the whole rig and it kind of makes noise and it kind of rattles and it's a neat effect. But I tell you what, mounting it to the bottom of the seat is way, way better 
way better than mounting it to your cockpit. The, the, uh, the, what you feel, you know, going into your body is way different. So I, I would definitely recommend, you know, drill it straight to, you know, into your, your seat. All right. Next up, we have a Instagram review of the Sim Racing Den, and they're highly recommending Sim Core pedals, with which are a type of face for your Huskenveld Ultimates. Yeah, nice. So if you have Huskenveld Ultimates, which are uh, all metal, even the face, these are kind of like a plastic uh, overlay or that you lay over them or stick onto them. It's interesting. These are the pedals I got. I didn't realize they're Huskinvels. And so they're made by Simcor. Now, Simcor is one of my favorite companies uh, in the Sim industry. Everything they make is like the super high quality. So uh, pretty neat looking pedal faces. I wonder if they're plastic or are they metal? They must be metal. Yeah, I, I doubt they would sell them if they were plastic because uh, of the reputation of that company. So, yeah, if you want a nice uh, upgrade for your Heiskenvelds, uh, check out uh, what Simcor has. Random detail about it. My, the, the label, the Simcor label will be upside down on mine on inverted pedals. That might bug some people with OCD. Oh, good point. Our next up's name I haven't seen in a while. We've got a play seat, NASCAR Evolution Pro up here. And it's being promoted on the eNet NASCAR website. And it's of their pro sim rig. Uh, I'm not going to read the ad. Uh, it looks like your typical play seat uh, rig where the seat's sitting on top of a small rig with a pedal plate and a post going up the middle for your wheel. Uh, and I remember one of our old teammates d struggled with this because he couldn't, he actually could not get to the brake pedal very easily for left foot braking because that post is right in the middle. Yeah. So. We lost the link. I don't know where the link is, but as I mentioned before, eNASCAR has come alive on social media recently, and they updated the eNASCAR website too. And one of the things they promote there is eNASCAR sim racing gear. And, you know, it's a, it's a neat idea that NASCAR does that, but they really need a better cockpit than this thing. Uh, play seat, nah, nobody's buying a play seat. Sorry. Like That's you said, I, you can't even reach the brake. I started on kind of a cheaper version of this. I had my little Quest 2 VR and this, and it had that center post. And you just start cranking on that wheel. It was, it was just, it would weeble wobble all over the place. Yeah, it's not ideal. <laughs> but come on, NASCAR. I, what I'm begging here is NASCAR, get into a partnership with one of the premier sim rig companies uh, that we all talk about every week, it, it, not play seat. Play seat's not one of them. Well, they're going to put on there whoever pays them. Well, it's a good point. You, you, you're saying NASCAR gets a check from the company just to have the NASCAR logo on the rig, right? Yeah. That, and I mean, so of course, NASA is going to promote it because they get a check every time one of these sells. So it's, it's a marketing deal. Right, no different than buying advertisement. Maybe I should be asking the sim rig manufacturers. They need to get their uh, marketing budget together and uh, hook up with NASCAR. All right, let's jump around over back into the uh, Formula Wheel arena, 
and I've lost count of how many of these we have, but we have the Sim Rep Engineering P9XX wheel. Let's uh, talk about this one, Justin. Yeah, Sim Rep Engineering is offering another nice looking addition to the Formula wheel market with their P9XX Sim Racing wheel. Um, it's a neat looking wheel. I haven't got. I don't have one of these Formula One wheels yet. I don't do much road racing. This thing is something else. And I don't think we've actually talked about this company much, um, if not at all. They are out of Europe. Um, it's 1,500 euros. You can do uh, 3K carbon as a normal option or forged carbon for $50 more. Um, it has yeah. dual paddles on the back. And yeah, and you, this is, you uh, the, the top ones are probably, um, the top ones are probably clutch like because they've got kind of more of a spring. The, the spring looks different. So one's probably analog and one's not. And this is kind of a Porsche P9XX uh, replica wheel. If if I recall right, um, high precision sim engineering, I think is it, it has a, really nice wheel that looks just like this as well um i want to say the price on that's 2100 and so this might be like a cheaper kind of knockoff version of that um got a display some really nice twist knobs at the top but uh, not a bad wheel um so we definitely need to take a closer look at this company uh, going forward and uh see you know see what they put out that's i wonder if any whether why anybody would justify not going the additional 50 bucks for a higher quality carbon out of because that's like literally a one percent increase right or less right. than one percent. you're spending that much anyway <laughs> nice wheel all right we got uh is this kind of a rig review or just an announcement of a rig mike on the next one well it's something new we haven't seen it's called retro sims and um, they have a collaboration with somebody called Base Performance. And uh, they've introduced what they call the Hesketh 308 Blade. And they call it Reimagining a Formula One Legend. And so they show a, uh, a picture here of a Formula One car from the past. It's got this massive air box on it up at the top. Um, I don't know what year that is. It looks like maybe the 70s. Um, and it's got a you know white uh, paint job with a red and blue stripe. And so next to it, they have a tubular cockpit of the same paint scheme. Uh, you know, same number scheme and so forth. So not a bad looking tubular cockpit. Um, lots of tubes going all different directions. Uh, looks very sturdy um kind of a formula style seating um even the monitor it's got a big widescreen monitor on it uh it's on the back of it it's also got the paint uh, livery of the car as well scroll down the side it, it's showing twenty five thousand euros but that's including everything Ooh, it's got husqvarna pedals on it semi-cubed expensive is that the oh that's the opb shifter that brian's been drooling over justin didn't that one like have 1200 bucks or something yeah 1200 bucks yeah wow 
So I can't really find a price on just the rig. So you're saying, David, all the sim equipment that comes with it is part of the package? Uh-huh. Mm. It's got a neat look to it. I still wouldn't pick this over uh, an 80-20 aluminum extrusion kind of cockpit, though. You're definitely just limited on your choices and expandability. Where are you going to throw button boxes on this? Like, where would you put your keyboard and mouse is the first thing I see. Well, on there's this nowhere, one, there's on the floor. Yeah, but see, that's the whole thing. I don't want my keyboard and mouse on the floor. <laughs> you know, I'm going to be using this on a regular daily basis. Um, yeah. I think the sticker shock is, I mean, I don't know how much just the rig is, but yeah, that's, a, that's really high. All right, tell us about, Mike, the next uh, one. It's something to do with Samsung in a gigantic monitor. Yeah, so their Odyssey monitor, I think, uh, initially came out in, I think, what do I say, 46-inch, if I'm doing my memory right. Now we have a 57-inch Odyssey any Neo G9. They call it dual 4K or UHD mini led 240 hertz one millisecond hdr 1000 curved gaming monitor say it again faster <laughs> they say it's the world's first dual uhd monitor so i guess the idea is the left side of it's 4k and the right side of it it's 4k i mean you can't get better with this the the 240 hertz the one millisecond refresh you know the hdr 1000 1000 nit brightness a million to one contrast ratio like samsung is known for like the having the best freaking monitors there are so anyway yeah this is uh brand new it's on pre-order uh you can get it by october 4th if you order right now you can get 500 dollars samsung credit on us is the offer Pricing, $2,500. We've got quite a few members who like to run the single ultra-wides, so uh, they might like something like this. Do you remember when, a year or two ago, we were talking about the the debate over how, how fast of an FPS a human sees at? Right. Uh, the most recent information I heard on one of the science nerdy podcasts I listen to is that, that it runs about 120 FPS, actually. Even though, even though our brain can put together slower FPSs uh, in animation, it can, it can see up to about that rate. A fly. So if you're above 120, you're probably good. Yeah, um, and you're you're not bad if you're lower, and it, it's just going to change how it looks. Like if if you've ever seen film, and then you watch behind the scenes footage of film where they're they're recording the 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 fancy cameras because it's being recorded with a different type of frame rate and film and size and everything. It just feels different when you're looking at it. You know what I'm talking about? Now I do. Now I want to point out this link should have been down with the video two stories down. So go down guys and look at that video. We have a video from Matt Malone and this guy, I mean, every time I see these guys, I'm like, why am I doing a podcast and not a video uh, YouTube channel? Because Samsung sent him this monitor this week. And uh, he's got a video of him unboxing it, setting it up, racing with it. 
and uh he is loving it i can tell you that uh look on matt's face as he uh fires that thing up the first time and just watching the video on the on the youtube channel the picture looks great i mean i don't know if it, how it's conveying through the camera and all that but wow i mean this is a massive monitor do you agree with the field of view that he's got going there well i mean he's got it behind the wheelbase um no i don't actually it looks like it needs to be higher up he's kind of looking down at it to me but if he got it higher up he might be able to bring it closer to him yeah it needs to be closer but uh with a big ass monitor like that i mean if i was doing single monitor this is what i would want is like the biggest nicest curved monitor they have and bingo here it is pre-order twenty five hundred dollars now look though i'm gonna do be devil's advocate if you have twenty five hundred dollars to spend on monitors man let's get some triples let's do 355s you know flat screens or let's do 343s and let's go to town because that's i still feel feel like triples is way better than this 100 percent doesn't it kind of put the the side angles at a more right angle right because you you can get the angle right like like when you look at the video of him on track with this monitor it looks weird when you see the window net on the left side of the monitor to me because it's not like you said wrapped around to his left side enough because it's only one monitor but because it's so wide you're seeing the window net and all that what i like about triples so what i've noticed and this is an opinion what i've noticed on guys using single monitors they always got to hit that button where they look left or look right to clear people where triples i've never really had to do that because i can see out my left and my right for the most part then if i can't see out my right he's in my rear view mirror I just use my JRT Visual Spotter, and I'm in VR, and I but but I don't have to look. I can tell with the Visual Spotter whether I'm going to clear him or not. And you can even see the the momentum whether you can see if you're if you're going to clear them or not, unless they suddenly catch a little bit of extra speed at the end of a corner or something. But you're right; the the window net does look like it's like your car is just distorted in shape. Yeah. I don't think I would be happy with that, the single monitor widescreen. Even though it looks kind of bomb, I, that kind of would throw off my OCD for sure. Well, we got one more, and we've talked about this wheel a few times. It's a SimuCube uh, Mercedes AMG wheel, right? Or the Cube Controls, not SimuCube. It's the, it's the one without the display. And who reviewed it? It looks like Dan Suzuki reviewed it, right? So we haven't seen the, this one actually. I think we saw it at the uh, at the trade show, uh, the expo. But I think it's just now come out from Cube Controls, and it's it's a bit different than the other Cube Controls that they've had out. So if you remember, I have the F Pro without a display. Then they have the I think it's called the GX3 with the display. And then they introduced a cheaper version of mine that's called the F-Core. Now, this is the Mercedes version of the F-Pro, basically. And uh, it's got the Mercedes logo on it. 
but it's also got the cube controls logo on it then dan suzuki's ocd doesn't like that and i don't like the that the wheel has two logos either it's got one really fancy logo with kind of a textured background with the mercedes and down below it like a painted on logo from cube controls they just clash i mean visually to me that's such a turnoff to have both logos on there i i don't know how cube controls could do it differently where they can you know maintain their branding but keep the mercedes uh emblem but the way they did it uh dan didn't like it i didn't like it other than that i mean it's a 320 millimeter wheel which is wider than most most wheels are 300 or less uh david i think yours is 280 i believe so yeah 280 so like the fan attack ones are like 280 minus 300 um this one's 320 now this is a uh kind of a replica wheel of the real mercedes wheel um now why do i say kind of a replica because the logo matches the width the 320 millimeter matches but on the real wheel, they don't have the LED light-up buttons. On the sim wheel, they do. Um, so there's some differences in in that. Uh, this is a little more flashier. Um, it only has the shifters. It doesn't have the dual clutch paddles on the back. And Dan Suzuki thought for, for this price, for the, what you're getting with this wheel, they should have included those uh, or at least had an option to add them and uh they're they're not even an option to add them at this point that's definitely a deal breaker so other than that the normal great quality from cube controls uh they're a company out of italy um you can't go wrong with the way they connect the cable to the wheel because they have that magnetic connector which i think is just a deal breaker as well um i'm pretty biased to this company just because of that connector right nascar iRacing results let's finish up bristol we have sunday open david p wrecked yeah this is a top split shit show i had 12x from early wrecks like by lap 20 and so i just basically stopped racing and just started hiding and trying to try as far back as i could without losing a lap uh got about halfway through the race and was kind of sort of doing the same thing but the the wreck happened probably four or five cars in front of me he's sideways i t-bone him and then get sandwiched full speed from behind as well and meatballed yikes all right justin p18 yeah um i just kind of didn't do a good job uh writing down my results this week i just wanted to sum it all up in one shot um all week i didn't finish this is my best result p18 out of four attempts those out of those races only one i made it halfway but i was fast i led 100 laps it's either i screwed up or people wrecked me it was it was just nuts well, this Bristol laps. <laughs> yeah, this Bristol was sloppier than last year or the last Bristol race, the spring race. I had a hard time at Bristol this week. This week, um, 
because I just couldn't do anything on the bottom. I had to be on the top. If I, if, if I had to pass somebody that was on the top already and I had to go to the bottom around him, I usually couldn't. I had to go down there and I would lose spots instead of gain, getting around him. So I pretty much forced myself to stay on top because of that and uh, didn't run very well because of it. I figured it being full length that it would calm down quite quite a bit, but apparently it didn't at all. All right, let's talk Texas. Wednesday open, P9. Started 24th, drove it up to second. By the halfway mark, green flag stops. Uh, didn't fare too well for me, and I shook out seventh. Made it as high up to sixth. Then a lap car trying to get underneath me, even though I'm on the bottom. He can't take the hint and go around the outside. So he hits me and I fall back and finish ninth. I called the lap car out over the radio. I told him there's some driver etiquette to let the lead lap racers race near the end of the race without interfering. And he claimed to be like Dale Earnhardt and he's gonna go 100% every lap, no matter what, even if he's 100 laps down. Well, he got shown by several people in the lobby uh, Basically, they all told him he was a dumbass. Um, but yeah, I, I don't understand people like that. I mean, he had he did have better tires, but I was clearly protecting the bottom. He could have tried to go around the outside, but it's just ridiculous that he shoves it in there on a on a lead lapper, like with you know 10, 20 laps left in the race, uh, and 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 disrupt me like that. So. Anyway, I probably had a, a better finish going, but I ended up P9. Chris ran with us and he got a P17. He says, uh, what is 25th when green flag pit stops started cycled to the lead and then pitted last with new tires and drove back up to 17th? Oh yeah, I remember this. So basically we stops. He was kind of in the back already uh, before the stops he just didn't pit everyone else pitted he ended up in the lead and he's like i'm like well what's your strategy here he's like i'm i'm hoping for a caution and he didn't get it so he had to pit under green was way back but was able to make up some of that ground uh david p16 yeah i was the first caution on this one uh car got loose and it never went did this in practice um I did 20 and 30 lap runs in practice and it just felt fine, but you're not under the same pressure when you ask, as you are when somebody was handling you down. So it definitely changed, I guess, the way I was driving. And I just, I got loose and, and hurt actually a couple of other mad scene, some teammates. Um, but they, they fortunately finished, so I didn't take them out of the race. After that, it was just, a, it was a mid-pack, mid-speed car. And that's where I finished. All right, and then Justin, P14. Yeah, I was... I was kind of disappointed. I got a 14X, nothing that I could avoid by any chance. Uh, a lot of cautions. I just wanted to finish a race, like I told you earlier, in Bristol. I never never finished a race all week, never done that before. So I finally finished one, I counted it as a win. Turn it around, right? Tony Rochette, P20. I absolutely sucked harder than a Dyson vacuum bowling ball demo. Loved old Texas. I say demo this track. I want the old Texas back. It was great. I, I don't like what they did to one and two to this track. Uh, Tyler Williamson ran with us as well. P21 for him. Thursday open, all three of us ran and I got a P5. I actually ran about top five all day long. 
around right around fifth, sixth or so, uh, fourth. Uh, we did have one green flag stop. Everything went smoothly and I didn't screw it up. I was a little loose through three. I kept telling you guys and and you guys uh, gave me some great adjustments to make on the pit stops that helped. And um, I didn't screw up and I got a nice top five. Didn't have anything for the win, but man, I'll take that. David, P27. I did screw up pretty, pretty embarrassingly. I was definitely upset at the time. Um, we were on a, I guess, what, a 60 lap run at the end. We split it with about 25 to go, short pitted, and literally coming, we were not even back up to full speed yet. The caution comes out. So I'm in the lucky dog position. I get that back, and I, I was actually pretty good on the short run if I went hard on the short run. So I got back up towards the front with as we were still having a lot of crazy cautions. Then on the second green white checkered, I have everybody telling me this guy behind me is going <laughs> wrecking everybody, and it gets—I guess it gets in my head. I get—I don't get a great start, um, and the pack is pulling away from me, and I just clip the grass and uh, get all the way down on the grass. I lock it up because I'm heading towards pit wall, so I'm trying just not to go into pit wall, and it—and it, it kind of loops back around and lands right on the apron. It doesn't go up on the track, but it still brings a caution out. But on the last green right circuit, I didn't really race because I was only back in 29th and when and was pretty ego hurt at that point um and and already had at least a p16 so there was there was no point in, in going bonsai to get back up to 20th so that's where it was 27th kind of just threw this one away now didn't you guys you guys were in the same split and didn't you have a deal where you didn't pit and you were in the pit window and then you were looking at running out of fuel and you had to pit under green and then the caution came out yeah, and it, the majority didn't pit. Just, just keep that in mind. There was, and the cars that did pit were not really outrunning us either. Um, so yeah, I did. I did. I went ahead and decided to short pit. I literally said a couple of laps earlier, I always get screwed when I short pit. And, and but then I had a guy who's decided that I was fast enough, but he was going to be Mr. Ryan Newman. So I went ahead and short pitted. He short pitted the next lap, but I did frog leap him and got around him. But the caution came out as I was going around him. We, if we would have pitted one lap later, we would have been in the top ten, probably. No, we two laps later. Two, yeah. Because we did pass the guy that that was right in front of me when I pitted. I got out. I, I cycled out ahead of him. All right, Justin, you had a P thirteen. Yeah, the same race as David. I qualified eighth. Um, yeah, I ran in the top 10 chunk of the race. I just pulled a rookie move. What usually happens is one or two, I get tight. I get the right rear hot, and then I send her into three and four, and she's just all over the place. Spun it. Rookie move, no damage. Brought out the caution. I, I was kind of embarrassed myself. Just played catch up the rest of the race. Um, I, um, this is my first race. I'm actually messing with tire pressures, and that helped me in the short run. So. Yeah, I'm just learning. All right, you gotta finish. <laughs> Other events that I ran, hosted Chris McGuire Gen 5 at Talladega, got wrecked out near the end. Then we 87s at Talladega, it turned into a fuel mileage race. I was backing way off to see uh, if I could make it. And some guys were coming faster up behind me 
and literally ran right over the top of me. I was so mad. I called them out over the radio and everything. And dude, I mean, just go around. You see the slower car. It's 15 miles slower than you. It's on the bottom. Just go around. I don't get it. I don't understand why this run into the back of me. Uh, it's just ridiculous. So then I looked at Draftmeister, which last week I said, I'm not going to run because it's open set. But then I realized what car is it this week? It's Car of Tomorrow. Oh, I, I always run Car of Tomorrow and posted Chris McGuire. I might have a set. And I did have a set, but it's three years old. And it was saved from a hosted event under Chris McGuire. And, but I tested it and it was fast. And so I'm like, okay, well, even if it's three years old, it works, so let's do it. So I ran the Car of Tomorrow at Daytona I got the first attempt, I got wrecked out lap seven, but was able to finish and come home P13. The next night I ran, winner, winner, chicken dinner, career win number 96. Everything went perfect. I followed the leader up right up into the last lap and just drove around him on the outside, just how I planned it. Like, as I was ending that race, I was like, do I want to be in the lead or do I want to be in second? And I decided I wanted to be in second on that white so i could just pull that perfect move you know through three and four i just roll him and sure enough i i knew that he had less tires than i i had and that's exactly what i did he kind of i kind of pinched down a little bit to hold him on the bottom he he had to back off because his tires were worse than mine and i just drove right by him and won the race so after that i tried it again to get two in a row i ended up second in the second race i was fighting with the leader and actually hit the wall it was my mistake but man i'll take that i rating third attempt of the night uh found me in the car number 24 in top split with people in there like parker retzlaff the xfinity driver and other high i rating uh folks i was running with guys that were like six seven thousand i rating uh and i ended up p7 Next night, top split again. I started eighth. I drove up to second at the end. Ended up fighting for a, a third with a lap car. A lap car was in the way. I actually hit him and fell back and finished P6. So guys, I've been farming. I gained uh, roughly 300 I rating across those events. What's your IR now? 2,800. I was at 2,450 or something. So tonight I'll run that FIA F4, but then I'm going to start running these until I go to bed and try to do some more farming. Then you got Talladega, I think is the next one cup. Well, you know, if I'm going to win this championship, this might be the key it, because right now Tom is getting so many more points than I am because his I rating is so much higher than mine. And so if I can farm some I rating and get a little bit closer to his I rating, I might have a, a chance to at least try to keep up. He almost has a 200 point lead on me right now, but drop weeks will kick in. I have no idea which way it's going to go uh, after drop weeks. So I'm kind of anxious to see what happens. All right. With that, let's go to final thoughts. David Hall. So I snuck in the extra race because I had to have, have uh, my stomach looked at for acid reflux issues and that's turns out that's what's been causing the whole cough that's been killing my voice for the entire last year um and 
uh, it was interesting. Not allowed to drive, but I was able to sim race. I I can't though say that the grass was was because of the anesthesia. I just made a mistake. Um, but it was cool to get the extra time off, sort of. It, though we're in the middle of marching season, so I hated missing rehearsal. So how do they rehearse when the band director is not there? Got a, I've got a good drum major, and and I have a flag. My flag sponsor is also the basketball coach, um, in that which is a different hour. So she was in there monitoring to monitoring them too. Good. All right. Final thoughts, Justin Pearson. I'm glad Bristol's over with. That was kind of deflating, you know. I'm I'm glad we're on Texas. Got a little bit more control in my hands, so I dipped down below um, 300k or sorry, 3,000 uh, IR. So I just got over the hill this last race with David. So hopefully, hopefully I'll stay there. It's the thing about NIS is you're going to have weeks where you hate it. You can't even get a finish and you're going to have weeks where you do well. And uh, that's what makes this a, a tough series. Uh, you're going to have ups and downs. And yeah, it was a bad week for a lot of us. Okay. My final thoughts, uh, man, I'm ready to tear this rig apart and uh, rebuild it. It's sagging on the left side. I'm kind of embarrassed that I didn't build it right. Um, but I'm not going to do it till the season's over. I was just asking you guys when is season over? I think it's early November, early to mid November. Um, so not too much longer. Uh, and I'll, I'll take a break from iRacing. I, I'm going to take my time. I don't intend to rush it, but I'm going to take apart my rig and, and rebuild it. So it's not going to sag. Um, also realized how dirty it is. I mean, everything in Arizona gets covered in dust, no matter how clean of a person you are and uh my rig has just got dirt everywhere and so i'm gonna take the time to also clean everything as i rebuild it and then i'm gonna try to you know do my best with the wiring and do even better than i did before so we'll see how it goes with that hey we'll see you on the track later Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.